Christ. Well, today, also excited because we get to start a new, uh, a new series called Christmas at the Movies. Christmas at the Movies. And, and let me tell you what, guys, I love Christmas. Any Christmas fans out there? Christmas movie fans out there? Some of you guys have already watched five or six of them already. Uh, you're, you're into this thing. Uh, so today, we are going to look at a 1990 classic, Home Alone. Oh, doesn't it just feel like you're there right now? It just hits you in the feels. That, that, is it candles in the windows or something like that? You know, it's just, just perfect. And so we're going to look at Home Alone today. Just soak that in for a second. Kevin, what did you do to my room? Yeah, just, just hits you perfect. Home Alone. And uh, this week, we, we put a little hint out on Facebook. We didn't announce what movie we were doing, uh, but we put a little clue out there and see who could guess what movie we were going to do. And we had five of you respond correctly, five of you. So I, I promised a little giveaway, a little something today to one of our winners. And uh, we've got this, this mug up here. Of course, you got the classic Kevin screaming, right? Uh, but we've also got his prayer on the back. So this is, this is a beautiful prayer. If you guys want to copy this prayer at home, this works well. It says, bless this highly nutritious, microwavable macaroni and cheese dinner and the people who sold it on sale. Amen. Right? Just a perfect one. So we've got a winner. We selected a name today of this lovely mug. And uh, Kathy Vilhauer, you got it right? Come on down, Kathy. We, we want to give this away. So be... She guessed Home Alone. She was, she was wise out there. We had lots of guesses, but uh, Home Alone was the correct answer. So each week we're going to try giving away a little something. So check our Facebook pages and see if you can't figure out the clue of what movie is coming. And it's going to be a great time. So congratulations, Kathy. Good work. Good work. Throughout this series, we're going to be showing some clips from the movies we're talking about and using them uh, to help us understand some deep spiritual truths that God wants to speak to us from his word. So uh, let me set this up a little bit for you. Kevin, if you've never seen the movie Home Alone, uh, Kevin is an eight-year-old kid who is absolutely sick of being told what to do. I mean, everywhere he turns, people are telling him no. People are telling him he's not old enough. Uh, Uncle Frank won't let him watch the movie. His dad told him to stop making ornaments out of his new fish hooks. Uh, his sister won't help him pack. Buzz won't let him sleep in his room. The whole family ate all the cheese pizza, his favorite pizza, and didn't leave him a slice. And then his mom tells him he has to go sleep alone in the attic. Like, come on, right? And in a moment of anger... In a moment of anger, Kevin lets some words slip out of his mouth that he wishes he could take back. He says, I, I hope that I never see my family ever again. Ooh, like daggers, right? And, and he says, I never want to see any of you again. Now, we've got to be careful with our words, right? We've got to be careful what we pray for. And uh, you just never know what, what prayers God might, might answer. So the next morning, uh, Kevin's sleeping in the attic. And what he doesn't know is that the power goes out in the middle of the night, messes everybody up. They're supposed to go on this big trip to, to Paris the next day, and so they sleep in, and, and when they wake up, they realize they're late to the airport. It's a mad dash. Everything goes wrong, but everybody forgets about Kevin, who's all alone in the third floor. So when Kevin wakes up, he goes out and realizes his wish came true. His family was gone. Uh, he didn't know where they went. He just thought they disappeared that he made his family disappear. So check out this clip. I made my 
disappear. All right, so Kevin, right, he got the wish that he wanted. He wanted to be alone. And that, that all came true because he thought that being alone meant he would have freedom. He could do whatever he wanted, right? But instead, he realized that along with freedom comes a little bit of fear as well, that, that he didn't have the protection that he used to have. So, you know, at first, Kevin is just sitting there, and he is basking in the freedom of no parental supervision, right? So he goes and watches whatever movie he wants. He eats whatever junk food that he wants. He orders a cheese pizza all to himself with nobody to take it away from him. He jumps on his parents' bed. Uh, he's eating popcorn. He's tobogganing down his stairs. Uh, you know, he's, he's going through all of Buzz's stuff. He's shooting BB guns in the house. I mean, life is good, right? He can do whatever he wants. And for us, we can kind of be that same way. I don't know what your view of God is this morning, but oftentimes, perhaps your view of God is how Kevin viewed his parents. You know, God is just there to give us rules. God is just there to, you know, we, we've got to do all these things. We've got to do it right. And if we don't do it right, we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get punished. He's just waiting to punish us. He's just waiting to suck all the fun out of life. And maybe some of you, just like Kevin, you wish you could just be left alone. 
right? You wish that you could just compartmentalize your life. You could wish you could just say, well, God just doesn't exist, or God is far off. God doesn't, God can't know me. He's just going to be away from me. So that way I can live however I feel like I can have freedom. Because if God doesn't exist, then truth doesn't exist. Morality doesn't exist. And I can do whatever I want to. I can have the freedom to do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. And, and so you may be running away from you know, that supervision that God provides, that morality that God provides. You know, God's people back in the Old Testament, they, they kind of felt the same way. They were constantly trying to get out of God's supervision, right? They liked his blessing. They liked all the good things that they did for him, but they didn't like it when he put rules on them. They didn't like those Ten Commandments. They wanted to be like the other nations who could serve whatever God that they wanted to. So occasionally they would follow God, but more often than not, give it some time and they would wander off. They would stray off. They would start living the way that they wanted to live. They would try to live like other people. They became jealous of other nations. They wanted all the benefits of God without the commitment to God. So while being alone may seem to give freedom for a short time, Kevin also discovered that being alone, he lost some protection. It came with some horrors as well, right? Now that Kevin had his fun, when, when the night falls, that's when the enemy decided to attack. That's when the bad guys showed up and started trying to break into his house and steal all this stuff. And now being alone didn't sound so fun anymore. It was more than he bargained for. Right? Have you ever felt this way before? Right? You're trying to, to run away from God. You, you feel unprotected. You feel like there's no one to turn to. You feel like Kevin hiding under your bed. Just like, God, where do I go? What, what do I do? Uh, the enemy is just crashing in here hard, and I have nobody that I can just be myself with. There's nobody I can tell this deep, dark secret, because I'm trying to look like I've got it all together on the outside, but inside, I feel alone. I feel like I don't have any answers. I, I, I feel like there's nobody I can actually relate to. Nobody understands me. You know, God's people in the Old Testament, they, they experienced a time of aloneness as well. They, they felt like God had abandoned them, that God had, had left them. You know, for years and centuries, ever since the, the Garden of Eden, there had always been somebody to speak on behalf uh, of God. They had Abraham, they had Isaac, they had Jacob, uh, they, they had Moses to, to lead them, you know, out of Egypt and into the promised land. They had uh, the judges, they had kings, they had prophets to speak on behalf of God. Even throughout the years of exile. Uh, they had Ezekiel and Daniel and Esther and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Esther, all of these people of the faith who stood up and, and, and led them in a godly way. And then there was the last prophet to prophesy. His name was Malachi. It's the, the last book in the Old Testament. And, and he prophesied. And then it wasn't for 400 years. 400 years of just silence. A prophet didn't rise up. A king didn't rise up. There, there was nothing. Can you imagine 400 years where we didn't hear from God? These were God's people. These were God's chosen people. Imagine how that must have felt to just feel alone, to feel like God didn't listen, that God didn't care, that, that you didn't have that protection that you were used to feeling for 400 years. But then we see in Matthew chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we see God break his silence. And it wasn't just in a little way, but it was in a major way. 400 years of being alone, uh, of not hearing the voice of God. But in Matthew chapter 1, 
uh, starting with verse 18, we hear God break that silence. It says this, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus, thank you for your word. God, thank you that you came to this earth. Thank you that you are with us today. God, may you open your word up to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence, and then something came that was better than a king, better than a prophet, better than Abraham, better than Moses. It was God himself. God himself came, God in the flesh. For hundreds of years since the Garden of Eden, God had felt distant. That, that God only operated through maybe just a chosen few. But now God was here. Jesus, the Son of God, was with us. And this was, this was unheard of. This was unprecedented. This was almost unbelievable that Jesus, the Son of God, would come to this earth as Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. I mean, this is unprecedented. I mean, think about it. God is on a different realm than we are. He's on a different level. He's on a different plane. We are creation. But he's not creation. He is the creator. But yet he would humble himself enough to come down to this earth and be with us. God is with us. God is with us. That is an amazing truth. It's crazy to believe that Jesus would humble himself so low that he would become a human. He didn't even come with pomp and circumstance like you would think a king would. But he was born in a manger. He was born in a barn. And Jesus, he didn't do this for his sake. He didn't, come down to, he didn't have to come down to this earth, right? He, he didn't have to do that. He didn't need to do it to come relate to us so that we could, you know, uh, so he could better understand what we're like and the pains and the trials that we go through. He didn't need to come down for some research project uh, to understand what it meant to be human. He's God. He's all-knowing. He created us. He intimately knows what we're going through without even having to experience it himself. But Jesus came not so that he could relate to us, but so that we could relate to him, so that we could understand him, so that we could identify him, identify with him, so that we could have a greater understanding of his love for us. That's why he came. Now, perhaps, again, you picture God as a God who's far off, a God who is, who is unknowable. I mean, when you think about it, you're one of almost 8 billion people on this planet. And our planet is just a speck. It's just a speck in the Milky Way galaxy. It's really hard to find. And, and our galaxy is one of an estimated 350 billion galaxies. You think that God cares about you? Right? You, you could have this view of God that he's far off, that he's distant, that, that he doesn't know you. Right? How could God be with us? How could God be here with us? Or perhaps your view of God is, is that uh, he's one who is involved in your life, but again, he's just out there to punish you. He's just out there to put rules on you. He's just waiting for you to mess up. 
so he can send judgment down. He doesn't delight in you. He delights in punishing you. Maybe you have that view uh, because that's, that's how your parents were. And, and so that's how you view your heavenly father. See, your view of God may be based on your circumstances. Uh, it could be based on your upbringing, on your education. Uh, it could be br- based on your experience. But this passage shows us, and this passage tells us, that God is not far off. That God is with us. It shows us that God isn't here to punish us. He came because he loves us. He came to bring you back to him. See, God is with us. He reminds us of that many times in his word to, to Joshua. To Joshua, he, he says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I told that to Joshua. To his disciples, he said, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And in Hebrews chapter 13, he tells us the same thing. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Guys, God is with us. God is with us. God is is personal. God is here. God knows you better than you know yourself. No matter where you go, you can't escape from the presence of God. He is here with you. God is with us because he came to this earth 2,000 years ago. See, not only, God, not only is God with us, but God wants to be with you. Like, it's not hard for him. It's not difficult for him. He wants to be with you. He desires to be with you. And really, this is the theme of the Bible, right? First two chapters were God talking about his creation, about how good it was that, that he made uh, man. And he said, man, this is good. This is good. And then chapter 3 talks about how we messed everything up because we're humans and we sinned and we allowed sin to enter this world. And the rest of the Bible after chapter 3 is God's plan to win us back, is God's plan to show us how much he loves us, is God's plan to restore that perfect unity that we had on day one, right? That's that's what this Bible is all about. It's God's, uh, God's plan to show us how much that he loves us. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. That was his salvation plan to save us, to rescue us. You see, he called uh, Jesus, he walked on this earth and he, he called his disciples and he taught them. He performed miracles. He, he raised the dead. He healed the sick, right? He calmed the storm. He cast out demons. He lived a perfect life. Though he was tempted, he never gave in. And even though he did nothing wrong and he wasn't worthy of death, he took the sin of the whole world on himself when he died on the cross. And after three days, he rose again from the tomb. And now when we believe in him, when we ask forgiveness, that sin that put a barrier between us us and God is broken down, right? And, And so because God is with us, because God is with us, we can now be with God. We we couldn't do it before. We were powerless to overcome the wall that had been separated us. We were powerless to overcome our sin. But because Jesus came and died on the cross, now we have access to God if only we believe in him. I mean, isn't that amazing that God is with you? That God is with us? That the God who created the, the sun and the stars and the universe and the vastness, and he created us down to the, the, the molecular level, that God is with us. I mean, just soak that in for a moment. Just like your turkey was marinating just a couple days ago. Just, just let that soak in. God is with you. He's with you. God is with you. 
And not only that, God wants to be with you. Even though you're not the greatest person out there, he wants to be with you. We're messed up. We've got junk. We've got baggage. But yet God still wants to be with us. No matter how bad we are, he created you. He loved you. He has a purpose for you. And God wants to be with you. And to prove it, he sent his son to die for us. That's how much he wants to be with you. And in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul writes that he is convinced that nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love. He's convinced of that. Uh, no place can separate us. No spiritual force can separate us. Time cannot separate us from the love of God. Even death can't separate us from God's love. So God is with us, and God wants to be with you. But let's go back to that passage for just a moment, because I think there's some more truth that we can gather out of it. Uh, it. It says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. All right, so who is this prophet that they're talking about? What's going on? This is clearly a quotation from, from a prophet in the Old Testament. And uh, so if we do some digging, we find out that the prophet who prophesies this prophecy is uh, Isaiah. And uh, the prophecy, again, is the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this prophecy we find in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. So I believe that in order to understand Matthew 123, we've got to understand what was going on in Isaiah uh, 7, 14. So let me give you a little background of what's going on in Isaiah chapter 7. Uh, there is a king. He is the king of Judah, the, the southern part of Israel, and uh, his name is King Ahaz. King Ahaz. And King Ahaz was a direct descendant of King David. He was a direct descendant of King David, which we know that Jesus eventually would be a direct descendant uh, of King David. So this man is important. God is going to use him in great ways. The problem is he's an evil king, and he just doesn't have the things going on for him. He's not serving God and, and all of that. But in, in spite of all of this, he, he's seeing some bad things happen around him. Because there's two kings north of him that are coming to attack. And uh, their names are, are King Pekah. He's the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. And then the other king is King Aram, or King Rezin. He's the king of Aram. And uh, they decided to team up against Judah and totally destroy it. I mean, these were uh, two bad guys that wanted to come down to King Ahaz's house and just totally plunder it. And in fact, we've got a picture of these two guys. It's kind of unprecedented, but they looked um, a little something like this. And they wanted to come to King Ahaz's house and rob the place blind, right? That was their goal. And much like Kevin McAllister, King Ahaz was afraid. He was afraid because the last time that, that King Pekah, the king of Israel, had come in and, and attacked him, I mean, he had totally destroyed the place. He had broken down his defenses, and it even said that he walked off with 200,000 captives. 200,000 captives. So, I mean, Judah is not in good shape, but now he's coming back with reinforcements. Uh, this isn't going to be good. Uh, and have you ever noticed the enemy likes to attack when we're vulnerable? I mean, that, that's when he likes to get in. Uh, the enemy liked to attack Kevin when he was vulnerable. Check out this clip.
gives it, the parents got to give it. Takes home the home. You gotta be kidding! You want to come back tonight? Uh huh. Even with the kid here? Uh huh. I don't think that's a good idea. Hey, look, that house is the only reason we started working this block in the first place. Ever since I laid eyes on that house, I wanted it. Let's take it one step at a time, okay? We'll unload the bed. We'll get a bite to eat. We'll come back about nine o'clock. This way it's dark. Kids are scared of the dark. You're afraid of the dark too, Mar. You know you are. No, I'm not. said the enemy likes to attack when we're most vulnerable. For Kevin, it was when he was all alone and when it was dark out, right? That's when the bad guys were going to attack. For us, the devil is the same way. He likes to attack you when you're most vulnerable. He, likes to, he, he wants to come in and attack you when you're alone, right? You don't have anybody there to support you. Uh, when you're tired, when you just feel beaten down, it, it's been a tough week at, at work or with your family, and that's when the devil wants to come in and he wants to lie to you. And he, and he wants to come in and, and tempt you. For King Ahaz, the enemy attacked when his kingdom had already been ransacked and there were holes in all of his defenses. So God, knowing what was happening to King Ahaz, knowing that he was uh, afraid, he sent his prophet Isaiah. And he gave this, this prophecy in, in Isaiah chapter 7. And, and here's what it said. Here's the gist of it. It says this. God told Isaiah, be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. What do you mean? Don't be afraid. Don't you know what's going on? Don't you see the bad guys are coming in? Don't you understand that they're more powerful than me? Don't you see what's already happened to my kingdom? He says, don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of, these are, these are the words he uses. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. That's pretty descriptive, right? They may look powerful, they may look potent, but they're running out of energy. They've got nothing left to give. They, they look on fire, but they're about to go out. He says, they will be destroyed. I will lay them waste. And then he says, I'm going to give you a sign that this is going to happen. I'm going to give you a sign that I'm going to take out these guys, and you don't have to fear because you are my chosen people. This is the chosen line, and I've got a rescue plan coming. Even though you've messed some things up, uh, I've got a rescue plan coming. And in verse 14, he says, this is the sign that it will happen. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son they will call him Emmanuel. So God's saying, he's saying, you know those two bad guys that are coming to plunder you? Uh, don't worry about them. I got this. I, I got this. And I'm going to give you this sign that, that victory is coming. And it's not just any sign. It's that the virgin is going to give birth to a son and he will be God in the flesh, that God is going to be with you. This is going to be the greatest sign in all of history because I am coming. See, Emmanuel, God with us, it's a sign of victory. It's a sign of victory. God in the flesh is a sign that you win and the enemy loses, right? That, that's what it is. The virgin having a son is a sign of victory, that God is going to be with you despite what's going on around you, despite what enemy is attacking you. See, the enemy may attack when you're tired, when you're all alone, when you're fearful, but it's in these moments that we need to remember that God is Emmanuel, that God is with us, 
that God is with us, that God is our victory. When our weakest moments, we need to come back. We need to look at this verse and say, all right, God, I know you're with me. Your, your word said, this is a sign of my victory. This is a sign of your victory. And if God is for us, who can be against us? See, when the devil tries to tempt you, you remind him that God is with you. When the devil tries to come in and lie to you, right, you remind him of where your victory comes from. So when we read Matthew chapter 1, this is something we should celebrate about because that means victory is at hand. That means victory is coming. See, God's commitment to us is that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We may be weak. We may not be able to stand up to the enemy, but we've got a God who is strong. I'll take you back to Hebrews chapter 13. I mentioned it briefly earlier. In verse 5, it says this. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Right? Because God will never leave us, never forsake us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. But what's interesting about this passage is it's actually not a proper translation. English can't do it justice uh, of how strong an emphasis God puts on those words, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Because there's actually five negative words that we see in the original Greek text. And uh, to say it in English, it would be poor English, but this is how it would read. It, it would say this, I will not, absolutely not leave you. And I will never, no, I will never forsake you. I mean, it's very strong. We, we've only got certain words that can capture it, but he uses these five negative words to describe, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. And you need to understand this. I am going to be with you no matter where you go, no matter what place, no matter what time, no matter who you're with, uh, no matter what enemy is coming up against you, no matter what spiritual force you're dealing with, I am with you. I'm not going to leave you. So we have nothing to fear when we realize that God is with us, that he's bigger than any enemy that we face. See, when we realize that God is with us, that his promises are true, and we start to trust in him, we, we start to discover that God has already given us everything that we need to overcome the enemy. See, you're more ready than you realize because God's with you. You're more ready than you realize. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, God's divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Right? God's, God's already given you everything that you need to live a life of godliness. It says that his divine power has given us. Right? God's divine power. His power that breathed life into you. His, his power that set the foundations of the earth. His, his power that created the, the stars and the galaxy. That same divine power is equipping you. He's given you everything that you need to live a godly life. All the materials you need uh, to live for him, you've already been given. To overcome the attacks of the enemy, they're there. We just got to tap into them. We just need to understand that, that God is with us because he's given us every tool to succeed. You know, at the beginning of Home Alone, eight-year-old Kevin can't even pack his own suitcase. Think about that for a moment. At the end of the movie... Uh, he's taking down bad guys, right? And, uh, you know, 
it took a little journey for him to go through. He had to learn how to do grocery shopping on his own, right? He had to go buy his microwavable mac and cheese. Uh, he had a little journey. He went to church for a little while. You know, he, he got some good things spoken over him uh, in church. But then after that, he was prepared. He was ready. He, he realized that he had everything that he needed to defeat the enemy. Check out this clip. Highly nutritious microwave and macaroni and cheese sandwich with pizza with organized bread. Amen. Get scared now. Oh, gotta love it. See, Kevin, he didn't realize it, but all along he had everything that he needed to defeat the enemy. Right? He had a doggy door and a BB gun. He had a bucket of water, a garden hose, and some stairs. He had an electric water heater and a doorknob. He had an iron and a light bulb. He had a blowtorch. That was one of my favorites, right? Uh, he had tar and a nail. That one I can't even stand to watch. Uh, he had glass ornaments. He had glue, plastic wrap, feathers, and a fan. He had micro-machines. He had two paint cans and some rope. He had a tarantula. That was a fun one. And then he had a zip line and hedge, climbers, he hedge clippers, right? He had everything that he needed to succeed. He didn't know it. At the beginning of the week, he didn't know that he was going to be using all those tools, but they were stored up in the garage and in the attic and all those different things that he needed to use to defeat the enemy. And in the same way, God has given you all the tools that you need to live a godly life. He's given you all the tools. All we need to do is to embrace that God is with us, and you'll discover the tools that you need to succeed, to overcome temptation, to, to overcome the attacks of the enemy. Now, the tools he's given us, it may not be a blowtorch, right? But it is his love. He's given us his love. He's given us his grace and his mercy, even though we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. He's given us freedom. He's given us joy. He's given us hope, kindness, self-control. He's given us faith, friendship, 
peace. He's given us purpose, right? All of these tools, we can list so many more, but God has, has given us these things so that we can overcome the attacks of the enemy, so that we can live a godly life. So let me ask you today, what's your view of God? How do you view God today? You know, maybe, maybe you view him like that, that parent that just won't get off your back, right? The, the strict rules follower who's there to just uh, take you down and, and punish you. And so you've been running away from God. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe your view of God is, is you feel all alone because God is just so distant. He's so unknowable. He's just so far beyond and, and, and you just don't even know who he is. You can't imagine that God is with us. Or maybe your view of God is that he is close, that he is who he claims to be, but your view of yourself is that you're too unworthy, you're too unskilled, you don't have what it takes. But you know what, our, our views are all shattered when we understand and we get this in our heads and in our hearts that God is with us. Like the God who created us is with us. I mean, that's such an amazing truth that, that he was willing to come to this earth, that he was willing to die on the cross so that he could be with us 24-7, that he could send his Holy Spirit uh, to live inside of us. And so now he's given us and he equipped us with everything that we need to live a godly life for him, to overcome the attacks of the enemy. We don't have to be alone because God is with us. Would you stand with me? Today, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to the gospel, to respond that, that Jesus died and, and that he rose again and that he can be with you wherever you go, that you can have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So would you, uh, just for a moment, would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And, and I just want to ask this question. Is there anybody here today? You're not following Jesus, but today you want to change that. You, you want to live for him with all that you have. If that's you today. I just want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. The Bible says that, that the angels rejoice in heaven over just one life who gives their life to Jesus. So today, is there anybody, you just raise your hand, nobody looking around, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody here that you would say, Man, I want to give my life to Jesus today? Anybody in the balcony? take a moment. Let's pray. Would you, would you pray this prayer with me? Uh, just, just everybody pray. But if you raise your hand, I, I want you to, to just pray it from the heart that you, you would mean this. So let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you are with us. I thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life, dying on the cross, and rising again. I ask for your forgiveness. I want to make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, uh, maybe it was the first time, or maybe, you know, you've been running away from God. God uh, has saved you, and you no longer have the consequences of, of hell in your life, but you get to be an heir. You get to be a child of God, and you get to enjoy the... The, the sweetness and the beauty of heaven. Believe that. 
Today, we're going to close by, by singing this song, Good, Good Father. And I want us to take a moment, and let's just, let's just sing, it, sing it together of, of who our God is, that we are not alone, that He is with us, that, that He loves us. Partway through, we're, we're just going to pause, and I'm going to invite you to come to these altars and uh, spend some time, spend some time with God. But let's, let's just sing this song together.
pause for a moment. I want to invite you to come to these altars. God's speaking to you today. If you just need to allow God to love on you a little bit, we're, we're talking about we are loved by our Father, by our Heavenly Father. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan for you. You are not alone. So today, I just want to invite you to come. If you need to spend some time at these altars, maybe you gave your life to Jesus today. Uh, we're going to have um, some resources right over here, some people to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you and, and uh, get you some resources just to continue to grow in that walk with you. So you can continue singing, but I also want to invite you, come to these altars and let's spend some moments there. Jesus, thank you that we are not home alone. God, that we are not all by ourselves, that we are not unprotected, but God, you are with us everywhere we go. You are with us and you want to be with us. You love us. You care for us and you've given us everything we need to overcome when the enemy attacks, to overcome temptations in our life. God, you always provide a way out. So we are thankful this morning. God, meet us as we come to these altars. God, be with us as we go from this place. God, touch lives and, and touch hearts today. God, we know that you are with us. Thank you so much, our Emmanuel, that you are with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I encourage you, come to these altars, church. Oh, it's love so
too.